Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. few minutes this evening about the life of Daniel and uh, I know that we have certain Bible characters especially these that we learn about from our youth and uh, we associate them with a couple of things and unfortunately if we're not careful we're all human we kind of leave them compartmentalized in this certain area and we are hard pressed to think outside of that box often. And um, I could maybe validate that point by just naming one person in scripture that we call Doubting Thomas. He doubted one time in his life that we know of. <laughs> and centuries later, bless his heart, I'm just so thankful that some of those moments in my life didn't become my defining moment. <laughs> and um, and so there are many things that we can learn about Daniel, and I'm not here to give an exhaustive list tonight, but I would ask us just to lean a little closer and consider a few things that I found challenging in reading and studying about his life. When, of course, Daniel and others, but when Daniel was taken into captivity to Babylon, he had no way of knowing what his future held. What is this going to be like? I mean, Daniel was not a criminal. And so he wasn't institutionalized in his mind. And he had no idea what was going to be waiting for him on the other side. So what was life going to be like? But he was not alone. He had surrounded, he was surrounded, of course, with thousands of others that were being forced to make their way to a strange place called Babylon. Now, I think that when we consider where they were and where they were going, that the journey alone was the very first test because many people did not survive the journey to Babylon. I'm not talking about surviving Babylon once they got there, but they didn't survive the trip getting there. It was a long road to Babylon, and according to many scholars, it took them as much as five months to make this trip by foot. And so uh, friends and family members died along the way, and some of them, of course, I have to believe it, it's like then like it is now. Some of them were perhaps not in good health. Some of them could have been elderly, or uh, the list goes on and on. They could have been young and and uh, But many of them did not make it along the way. But when they finally arrived at Babylon, they found Babylon not to be a friendly place. Of course, they knew they weren't going on vacation. They were, they were going to be held captive. And there's little doubt that some of them, even once they got to Babylon, just wished that somehow they too would have either died in Jerusalem or died along the way. Because this is certainly not going to be 
a fun thing. But you can imagine Daniel's surprise whenever he found himself among all these thousands of people. When he found himself chosen along with three others, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but he found himself chosen with three people to be trained for the king's service. And so out of all of these that could have been picked, here is Daniel, God's man, and he had three people with him. Now, to be in the king's service was not an any man job. This was not just, you don't just go find somebody off the sidewalk and pull them in and say, well, this is what we're going we're, to we're do. And so there's a number of things. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but there could be any number of things that uh, perhaps cause them to stand out. I'm talking about besides the hand of God. But for three years, these four men were prepared and they were trained, and this training was intense. They were having to learn a complete different way of life. They were taught how to speak and how to write, how to communicate, how to function uh, among the language and the culture of those that had held them captive. They had to be taught. They had to be unlearned from their old way of life to be retrained into this new way of life, and in every way, they were being educated in the culture, immersed in the culture of Babylon. But it's right here in this murky portion of, of Daniel's life that we begin to see something forming in him. Now, I don't believe that this was uh, absent. I, I think that he carried this with him into captivity. The, you know, we hear sometimes that trials will make you bitter or better. But I, I tend to believe that trials reveal what's there. And uh, I understand the concept of that other. But I, I believe that trials and temptations and things of that nature really reveal what's already there. And so I believe that when we see Daniel, he is, he is not bowing to the pressure of captivity. But Daniel's backbone is growing stiffer by the day. There's something in him, a righteous indignation, if you please. He was a man of resolve. And so regardless of what his captors did or said, he was determined that I am not going to be defiled by this foreign, these foreign gods and I will not be defiled by pagan worship. He knew he, 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 who he was and he was determined that I am going to live to the higher level. I'm going to be what God has called me to be. Daniel was among the best and the brightest. I believe that we can find validation of that in Scripture. He was chosen along again with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be a part of, uh, of the court of Nebuchadnezzar. And some people may have refused. May, maybe somebody would say, I'm not doing that. And perhaps they would have just found themselves executed on the spot and, um, or, or whatever the, the end result of that may have been. And uh, others could have been completely the other way. They could have said, well, I'll do this. And maybe they would have completely caved and morphed into uh, to being uh, the, the spirit and of the mindset of the Babylonian people. However, Daniel and his friends took a completely different route. They remained true to God. This is where we are now. This is where we are today, but I'm going to remain true to, to the God who called me. And they sought to glorify God 
even in these adverse circumstances, they were going to glorify God and they were going to serve him with excellence even though the king uh, made them slaves. As a matter of fact, I could take that one step further and say that they served the king with excellence. They weren't bitter. I don't believe they slammed the cup down, Brother Williams. I said, well, there you go. I don't think bitterness or gall or, or anything come out of them. I believe they did their job to the, to the nth degree in a way that was pleasing to God, even though they were in a completely adverse circumstance. Being chosen, I believe, for special treatment by his captors must have been somewhat confusing for Daniel. Uh, I'm not suggesting at all that he was disappointed by that, but it had to be somewhat confusing to think, why me? Why would I be chosen among all of these that are here? And maybe his emotions at times were all over the map. And maybe he had feelings of resentment against those that held him captive. But, but there was also perhaps a, a, a mixture of hope for a better life. Maybe there's, there's going to be light on the other side of this. I believe that Daniel certainly, we can find in scripture, that, that he had several bridges to cross in his life. This was not a one and done. Uh, Daniel was here for a long, long time, and uh, this was not a trial that was soon going to pass. And uh, so he had to figure out whether or not he was going to be uh, allow his loyalty to God or his grief cause him to be bitter and angry about the things that happened to him. You know, there's just things in life we do not get a vote on. Uh, amen. I, I, I understand that. My audience this evening has enough gumption to know that. You, you, we've, we've encountered enough things that we never raised our hand and say, sign me up. It just landed on our doorstep and you just have to deal with it. It's there and you've got to figure out and, and how to navigate around that and keep a good spirit and, and not let bitterness come into our heart. And so... Uh, Daniel maybe had to consider how can I make a difference where I am. I, I believe these were ob obvious obstacles in his path and it would be easy for someone in the position that Daniel finds himself in to lose his way. Uh, like John the Baptist, are you here or do we look for another? I mean, there, there's an opportunity here for doubt to come in and unbelief to come in. There's an opportunity for indifference to come in. But Daniel... And those with him discovered the bedrock of their walk with God. And they discovered this in one of the most unorthodox moments of their life. And they decided that they were going to be faithful to God and make the most out of every opportunity that the Lord had brought in their life. Amen. That it, was, it was God who gives life. God has the keys of death and hell and the grave. And so they realized that wherever I am, uh, then God is with me right here. And I just want to say that tonight, that wherever we are, God is with us. He's, he's not going to abandon us. And so when Daniel uh, and those were offered food from the king's table, that would have caused them to violate not only the dietary laws that they had always followed, but, but to, to violate other principles. And so they decided, we've, we've got to just stay true to who we are. And uh, so would they bow to convenience or would they stand on conviction? Amen. Because what we believe is we either believe it as a convenience or we believe it as a conviction. If you have a conviction about something, you go to bed with that at night and you wake up with that in the morning. That's not something that's, that's not a rock that moves. That's not a foundation that's on wheels. And we can clearly see that they chose to stand upon their convictions and they decided that we will not defile ourselves with the king's meat. 
Now, before we, you know, get excited about things like that, I think that we have to understand that this was a decision that was made with tremendous risk. This, this was not, you know, you're going you're gonna to have to stand in the corner if this doesn't work out. They were, there was no middle ground. They would either risk it all, lose it all, win it all. All was on the table. If their actions did not work, that meant death for them. Amen. And so in the end, they stood for what was right, and they knew that they would win, of course, even if they lost. That's what Abraham said. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know God is able to, to fix this. I know that God is going to take care of this. They had certain values that would sustain them, whether they were experience of what some called defeat or some called victory. And I believe these values, tested by, pay, tested by passion, prove to be real convictions in their heart. This is what we really believe. They were in a strange land. They were in another country. They could have done anything they wanted to do. They could have, they could have, they could have eaten of the wrong things or prayed to the wrong God. And, and who would have ever known that? They could have done that in silence or in secret, but it wasn't about that. It was about something in their heart. I believe that there are two levels of, of confidence or two different types of confidence that we have as children of God. I believe that we have got to have these in conjunction with one another, but I also believe that we've got to have these in perfect balance. I believe that we have to have self-confidence, and I believe that we have to have God-confidence. Amen. Now, self-confidence comes from knowing and trusting yourself, and that is a very, very important ingredient, and I'm not talking about arrogance because God hates proud, pride. Amen. He hates a proud look. And so it's not arrogance. It's, it's, it's just merely knowing who you are and knowing who you are not, being confident of yourself. Uh, you would never want anybody uh, you would never want anybody to just show up at your house to do a job and, and, uh, and come in and, and, and they have absolutely zero confidence that they can accomplish the task at hand. <laughs> you want somebody that really knows what they're doing and they project that, not with arrogance or boastfulness or pride, but they project that. I've, I've always said and, and teaching not only the ministers here but others around that you've got to go to the pulpit with confidence. If you go to the pulpit without confidence, your lack of confidence is contagious. And if you're a nervous wreck, guess what? Everybody else is going to be a nervous wreck. And you know what that's going to make you? More nervous. And you know when you get more nervous, what's going to happen? They're going to get more nervous. And in the end, it's going to be train wreck it's going to be a calamity because you got to go with confidence not arrogance but you got to go with confidence that this is all going to work out amen on the other hand we need God confidence and that comes from knowing and trusting God and so when you combine self-confidence and God confidence what we come out with is a man like Daniel that can stand in adversity that can stand straight and say, God has led me here, he's going to keep me here, and he's going to bring me out of here, wherever here happens to be. And so when Daniel refused the king's food, and, and uh, he had favor, and uh, he suggested an alternative course of action, and, and uh, there was, of course, an official and, uh, in charge of them, and, and uh, for whatever reason, we know it was God 
Amen. Daniel said, I tell you what, I want to just make a deal with you. And, and here's what we'll do. I believe that Daniel was so confident in his ability to honor God that God was going to honor them. They understood, again, the risk involved. And so the official in charge of Daniel and his friends was certainly under submission to Nebuchadnezzar. And why wouldn't you be? Because these were not kings that ruled with any kind of, uh, with any kind of rules these were men that if you just did one thing wrong, they'd just, have your, they'd just have your head. They would just kill you on the spot. And so the king could have had him executed for not following his orders. But the favor of God and the confidence of Daniel, I believe, affected this man's decision making. And that was nothing less than a divine miracle. And this man, in charge of Daniel and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, allowed Daniel to eat only vegetables and only drink water. Amen. He said, I, just let us do this. And after 10 days, we'll just compare ourselves to those around us. And so at the end of 10 days, these four men looked better than those who had eaten the king's food. It was God at work. Not only God at work in the heart and life of Nebuchadnezzar, but it was God at work in the heart and the lives of these people and those around them. I believe the stories of people like Daniel remind us that God has a purpose for all of us. And I think as long as we keep, you know, just talking about Daniel, then we can leave you alone and we can leave me alone. But we need to insert our name into these phrases because God wants to use you and I. And so uh, I believe that our goal should be to seek the will of God until we find it. And we need to obey God and do whatever God has asked us to do and do with diligence whatever task is, is handed to us or whatever task comes our way. And sometimes, let me just insert this, sometimes the task that comes our way may not even be something we want to do. And I'm going to just speak from experience. I'm not going to meander here, but I will speak from experience. There have been many things that I've been asked to do through the years that I have done out of sheer obedience. Not because I had a burning passion to do it. But I, I didn't want to do it with anything less than excellence. I wanted to do it to the best of my ability and, until God raised up somebody else to take it over or whatever the, the case may happen. I, I may be. I remember um, and, and, and have shared about our, our church had a bus route. And, uh, and they, somebody in charge of that did a phenomenal job. They knew, they knew how to do this. This was their heart, their passion. And, they would work every Saturday knocking on doors and then every Sunday morning go pick up all these people for church and then Sunday after church you'd go take those people back home and then all of a sudden they moved. And we still had a bus and a bus route and a bus ministry. And we had a pastor that handed us the keys of the bus and said, guess what? And that was so far out of our wheelhouse and so far, not evangelism and not reaching the lost. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about all the nuts and the bolts that go in. Uh, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that goes on there. And, and um, my goodness, I mean, we both work full-time jobs. I, I worked a job that was almost uh, in excess of 60 hours every week. And so it wasn't like time was just laying around. Amen. So I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about me to keep from offending you. And so sometimes things come in our path 
And so we just say, Lord, help me to do this to the best of my ability. And so when our purpose is bigger than we are, that's what sets us apart from the crowd. And so if we, we don't know for sure what made these four men stick out. I believe, obviously, the hand of God. Maybe they were like Saul. The Bible says he was a head and shoulders above every other man. So Saul, it seems in Scripture, was just defined as a leader. He was a man among men, so to speak. Uh, maybe others around them were more downtrodden and, and defeated than these men were. I, I don't know what it may have been, but, but, but these men sensed that God had something bigger for them. And so that was true. And, and when they chose not to eat the king's food, it, it, was, it was obvious. When they even refused to bow down before an idol, it, it just became even more and more intense. They were thrown into a fiery furnace, but God saved them. And their example became a testimony of not their greatness. Their, their te their, the, the salvation of their lives became a testimony of God's greatness. Amen. In the end, these men were uh, rewarded by being given, are you ready? Greater influence in Babylon. Greater influence. Their voices were louder. Their voices were, had more clarity. What they said mattered. And God had given them influence, influence in a strange land. God had given them influence in a place where they should have been mute and every word they said should have fallen on deaf ears. But God said, I can take you where you are and I can use you and I can exalt you and these people will be moved and transformed by what's going on in your life. Amen. I believe that when we follow a purpose that is bigger than us, that's what makes us stand out from the crowd. You see, some people will see that and they will attack you for it. Amen. That's the crabs I talk about from time to time. They're going to pull you back down to their level. Amen. But we can't compromise in those moments. We need to be ourselves and remain true to God. This is where I am. This is how God is choosing to use me. And this is what I'm going to do for the glory of God. I heard a man once say, just because people around you have forgotten who you are, don't you forget who you are. If they talk about you in such a manner that it reveals they have forgotten who you are, he said in that moment, don't respond like you have forgotten who you are. You remember who you are even when others around you have forgotten who you are. And so when the temptation is to go along with the crowd and when our integrity is put to the test and when the rest of the world begs of you to be somebody else, act like somebody else, talk like somebody else, walk like somebody else, we need to be true to us and we need to be true to God. Amen. Because when our purpose is bigger than we are, it is going to require the favor of God. I can't do this without God's favor. You can't do this without God's favor. Amen. I, I, I just pray it all the time. Lord, you gave Nehemiah favor. He obviously had favor with you. But you gave Nehemiah favor with people that didn't have any vested interest in what was going on. And so I don't think we just need to pray for favor with God. I believe that we need to pray for favor in our lives, period. Just give me favor, Lord. Wherever, wherever I'm going, wherever I am, I'm just asking you, Lord, to give me favor right now. Amen. And he will do that. I believe that God can call us to walk in places that are bigger than we are. Can I get a witness? Amen. You don't see somebody walking in a big place because they're big. 
They're walking in a big place because they serve a big God who is able to touch them and lift them and strengthen them on a daily basis. And so when our purpose is no greater than we are, if our purpose is no greater than ourselves, then it's easy for us to rely on ourselves. And so sometimes we need something that challenges us to stretch us, to pull us past where we think we belong. Amen. If it's not a challenge, if we always just stay with something that we can always reach, there's no, never a reason to own a ladder. But if you want to reach higher, you're going to have to get something that causes you and helps you to reach that ability. And so when your purpose is bigger, we need God's favor to accomplish that. And when we're asked to do the impossible, you know what? We're going to serve a God. Amen. We are serving a God rather that's going to come through and help us have and experience that miraculous moment. When King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, he asked those around him not just to interpret the dream he asked those around him to tell him what he dreamed. <laughs> I'm talking about impossibility or impossible times at least two. I've had those dreams. Have you? I saw a dream something. I saw I can't remember what it was. But you remember you had a dream, but you can't remember what it was. And so Nebuchadnezzar, a man who had the power of life and death in his hands, calls his astrologers up and said, I had a dream last night. Tell me what it was. Can you just imagine the fear that just comes boiling up in your throat? Because this man is off the hook. I mean, he's off the chain. Why would he even think I could do this? And so he, they had to tell him what the dream was. It was humanly impossible, but was not godly impossible. And so when Daniel began to pray, God revealed to Daniel not only the dream, but the interpretation of the dream. I believe that when we submit ourselves to God and we tap into his purpose for our lives, he will ask us to do things that we are incapable of doing in and of our own power and strength. And we could stand in the mirror and say, not me all day long, but I believe that when we submit ourselves to God and we submit ourselves and tap into his purpose in our life, then God can set us in a situation where we look around us and think, what in the world is going on and how did I get here? And, and, and sometimes we're asking ourselves, and how can I get out of here? Amen. <laughs> but we should not allow those moments to dissuade us from following God because greatness doesn't come from doing all that we can do. Greatness comes from allowing God to do what he can do through us. Just a vessel, just a piece of conduit. I'm just gonna let you have my eyes and my ears and my voice and my hands and my feet and you do the work, Lord. You do the work. Amen. God can do great things. When our purpose is bigger than, than we are, it will give us courage. It will give us confidence, not self-confidence, but it'll give us God confidence. And the longer you walk with God and strive to live according to his greater purpose, the more courage God can give us and will give us to fulfill his will. Amen. And so here we find ourselves sometimes in places that we never dreamed we would be. Opportunities presented we never ever thought would come our way. And we ask ourselves, how in the world did we get here? How did this happen? When did this happen? <laughs> and, and, and it's not all pie in the sky, of course. Because with every great responsibility, 
God, there, there are some portions of that that pinch. Some portions of that that's an uncomfortable shoe to wear. You'd like to unknow some things and unhear some things and just rewind the tape and, and try to just try to escape, try to just get back. I was talking to a, a friend yesterday who was, who was talking along these lines and he said, he said, you know, there was a time I used to look at certain people and I think, my Lord, have mercy. What it, would, what it would be like to be in that role or what it would be like to be that person. And through time, the process of time, many decades, God indeed did place this man in one of those positions and roles that as a young man, just a young man, he, was, he, he never dreamed he would be there. And he said, but when I got here, I didn't realize all that came with it. I didn't realize the responsibility and, and the weight. Amen. He wasn't complaining. He was just being honest. I didn't know. I didn't know what all that hand in hand went along with this. And so what I'm not talking about tonight is, is, is just blabbing and grabbing and pie in the sky. Yes, there's things that, that God God wants to do and God wants to use us, but that doesn't mean it's always going to be comfortable or it's always going to be easy. Amen. That's where we have to trust God and put our confidence in him to say, Lord, if you brought me to this moment, then you're going to see me in this moment and you're going to see me through this moment and just need you to open my eyes to help me see with clarity, open my ears to help me to hear your voice. Amen. And help my spirit to respond to you. Amen. One of the things that we most, of course, remember about Daniel was the fact that he was thrown in this den of lions. We've heard about this, many of us, from our parents or Sunday school teachers or other voices of influence in our life. But one of the details that may have escaped us in this story is that when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, he was not a young man. This was at a completely different chapter of Daniel's life. Daniel has survived many things. He had served Nebuchadnezzar until his death. And so by the time we read about Daniel and his encounter in this lion's den, he was serving his third king. Daniel's been in prison in captivity and a servant a long time time a long time and so Daniel has this habit of praying three times a day remember the story and there were people around Daniel that I mentioned a moment ago that the more God used Daniel the more influence he had in Babylon and there were people in Babylon that was jealous of a servant. Think about that. What would you have to be jealous of? This man has no rights. This man has no privileges, so to speak. I mean, he's, he's not of them. He's not of that culture. He is a servant. But they were jealous of him. And so they tricked King Darius into establishing a decree. And this decree had nothing to do with anything but just an assault to take down Daniel. We're just going to bring him to us. This is a sure end. We've not been able to quiet him. He has gained favor with every king, and, and here he is. And so nothing less than an assault on his character, and this one will certainly take him down. And so 
the decree is if anybody is found praying to anyone but the king, that person is going to be fed to the lions. And then when they threw him to the lions, they thought, well, we got it now. I mean, this we have won. We have finally put an end to this nemesis of our spirit. But Daniel did not lose hope. As a matter of fact, the king didn't lose hope. Isn't this the most bizarre story of Daniel and the lion and the den? That even the king is saying, I know everything. He couldn't even sleep through the night. He couldn't even eat through the night. Amen. I know many of us have been on those kind of king's fasts, you know. Didn't eat anything all night long. But he stood at daylight. Oh, Daniel. With confidence that he was going to hear Daniel's voice. Because he said, I knew your God. I knew your God. By this moment, Darius is realizing that he's been hoodooed by his own. He's realizing he got wrapped up in a web of lies and deceits. But he said, I knew that your God was going to see you through. Amen. They thought they had beaten him, but God had given him favor. And God had given him courage. And you know what? Just like God was going to help him with the dreams and just like God was going to help him with the diet, God was there to help him in this moment as well. Courage. Amen. The more you step out, the more you allow God to use you, the more and the greater that builds in our life. How do you have the guts to get up and do something? It's because you just keep getting up and doing it. You just do it again and you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. And sometimes there are certain things that never go away. That's the truth. There are certain things that we may not ever conquer, totally conquer, and that can be healthy. Sometimes I'm called on to speak. I've been doing this for 42 years, almost. March the 2nd will be 42 years. And there are times that I'm getting up to preach, and I am just a nervous wreck. And logically... That makes no sense. Somebody could just push you out, you know, just push you on the stage and just get out there. Man, you know, you've done this before. But your nerves just slip up on you every now and then. Sometimes you guys make me nervous. <laughs> I'm not just saying that. <laughs> I feel like I've got a pretty good thought and you're just kind of looking at me, staring at me. That's <laughs> It's all sounded better in my head, and I can tell you that. But you just get up, and you just say, the Lord's going to be, he was with me the other day, he'll be with me today, and you just learn how to get up and do it again, and do it again, and do it again, and you know what, if you fall down, you just get up, you brush yourself off, you don't try to blame it on somebody else, amen? <laughs> you don't try to blame it on the sound man, you know, blame it on the speakers or something like that. Amen. I'm. I'm think we've come a long way with sound in the in the church age. I can remember, um, Brother Tumman started the church in Eagle Lake. Uh, we had a little PA system and had a. a uh, if Brother Kevin was here, he could help me with this. I believe it was called Custom K U S C O M. A little. It was a guitar amplifier. Remember that metallic silver, and it was uh, rolled and pleated. And, and the speaker head, the, the head of the thing said it, and we just put that speaker right in front. So we could just send your whole eyebrows, not just part of it. And this is about what it sounded like. That's about what it sounded like, you know, just trying to. 
trying to have church over the top of all that. And we were, you know, if you're thinking back, we probably didn't even need a sound system at all. I mean, you could have almost, <laughs> you could almost just reach out and touch them on the back row. But anyway, so, so we don't always need what we think we need. <laughs> and God just gives us courage to just get up and do it again and just go. And, and we seek God's greater purpose and, and we choose to follow him. And he'll give us the courage that we need to do, that we need to fulfill the task that God gives us. And so when, when our purpose is bigger than we are, it is a test. It is a test. When God says, I'm going to take you to another level, that is a test. And it's not a one-time decision. If we want to finish well, we've got to continue to choose to follow God. You can't just say, well, I made up my mind, 1973, this is what I'm going to do. Guess what? That 1973 decision was awesome in 1973. But you're going to have to keep deciding because there's going to be many intersections in life. Amen. When they asked him to, to eat the wrong food, Daniel said, I've got to follow God. You would think, well, okay, I've passed the test and now I'm done. No, no, no. Because after a while they asked him to interpret the dream, Daniel said, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get his will. When he faced the lions, he said, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do whatever the Lord asks of me. So it's not a one and done. It's not just we get this behind us. And so when our time of testing comes, we've got to make the right decision and choose God. Amen. Words that give us strength and hope. Amen. I believe that God desires to do important things through us. And when he chooses, amen, it may not look important to others around us, but God knows what he's doing. It may not, it may not look important to those and all flashy to others around us. And at times, it may not even seem important to us. But here's the thing. If it matters to God and if it's important to God, then it's important. It's important. And so Daniel's life is a reminder that, that people who become great influencers for God don't have to be born into a certain family with a certain name, with certain credentials, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because we can think that sometimes. Well, if I was so-and-so, or if I was this, or if I was that, you don't have to have a title. You don't have to have a position. In this scenario, Daniel was a slave. He was a prisoner. As a matter of fact, that's how he left the world. And so if we consider those two uneventful bookends and think, well, here's a slave and here's a slave, there isn't much reason to pause. But it's what he did in that interim. It's what he accomplished while he was in Babylon, not in a cathedral. It's what he did for God. Not when he had the praises of people and the support of all those people around him. It was what he did for God against all odds. When you think about Jeremiah for a moment, the Lord said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You know, we understand the, the, the infinite wisdom of God but if we read this scripture for what it is, I believe that God is declaring that he was already appointed a prophet to the nations before you were formed in your mother's womb. I knew you. And if we think about that template, first, God knew exactly what he wanted Jeremiah to be and to become. 
And then God formed him and said, I, I'm going to need a voice and I'm going to need a mouthpiece. And so I need to give him these strengths and I need to, conf- I need to, to balance these strengths with these weaknesses. Because this is what I need as an end result. And so God said, I'm going to need a prophet. I'm going to need somebody that will speak when nobody else will. And so God didn't just find an old man and empower him. God formed him in his mother's womb. My point is simply this, is that where we are today in life, God knew this before you were a thought. Amen. Someone said before you were a twinkle in your mother's eye. God knew this. And he gave you the strengths and the weaknesses that you are going to need to have that perfect balance to be what God had called you to be. Amen. I believe that that same thing is true for Daniel, for, for Jeremiah, and I think it is true for us. That God's purpose for us was placing us before we were born. And I believe that his, God's favor has been available to us and accessible to us all along. We need your favor today, God. I need your hand upon me today, God. And he created us to do something that he had already prepared us in advance to do. This means that he made us to serve and he made us to be influencers. And I believe that God created us to be difference makers. We should be a change maker. Amen. You should change the atmosphere of a room when you walk in. If you're filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, you should be a conversation changer. Amen, if you've got the spirit of God living in your heart. Amen, our heart, our lives, our minds, our will submitted to him. Amen, we ought to be that person that can change the climate of the world that we're living in when we step in. Making a difference between, uh, uh, and, and making a difference is what God has called us to be. More than one time, Daniel was asked to do the impossible. With God's help, he could do it. And through that, God was always honored. Amen. I want to I say this, and again, uh, maybe just to underline this. I think that it's important we talk about Paul a lot, the Apostle Paul, that his letters of encouragement, his letters of influence that are still draw wells that we draw from to this very day, many of them were not written from a cathedral. They were not written from a pulpit. They were written in prison. And so Daniel, this powerfully used of God individual did not live a stress-free life because he was a slave living in exile. He was a man who served at the whelm of arrogant kings. How arrogant to say, I had a dream. Tell me what I dreamed. Give me the interpretation. He was a man who served at the whelm of unpredictable people. And so it was very, it would be very easy for us to believe that Daniel lived a very stress-filled life in a very human way of looking at that. But he didn't just serve arrogant kings. He also was surrounded by jealous people. I mentioned a moment ago that said, we're going to find a way to trip him up. We've got to try to find a way to silence him. And so you think about living in that kind of environment and yet being a change, an agent of change in all of that. Amen. He never lost his way. And that's, that's why we need to understand that God has a calling upon us. I believe that. And I don't believe that we're just called to the ministry. 
as far as a pulpit preaching ministry. But I believe that God calls us to various things in our life. And our calling makes it possible for us to always do the right thing and not just to do the easy thing. Because it's, it's always right to do the right thing, but it's not always easy to do the right thing. And so God doesn't just cause us to do the easy task. Sometimes we just have to do what's right. Amen. Have you ever done something that was right, but it was difficult? It was right, but it brought pain to others. It was right, but it brought inconvenience even in our own lives. Daniel did what was right. He served God to the best of his ability. And he served him in adverse circumstances. And he did it for decades. Amen. Daniel was a change agent in his world. And our world is hungry for people that will be different. Amen. Not just say you're different. But people that will be real just real. We should never have to apologize for anything. Amen? Our lives ought to be an open book, free for the world to read. Praise God. Somebody said a penny for your thoughts. They ought to be pure. Amen? They ought to be wholesome. They ought to be honest. They ought to be filled with integrity. Amen? I'll ask our musicians to just stay. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you will. And let's just ask God to help us to, to emulate what he has given us patterns for all throughout scripture. Amen. Lord, I love you today and I thank you for your word. I thank you for the precious gift of your spirit that you have filled us with. And we honor you today and we love you and we pray for your, your glory and for your blessings and for your presence and power to touch us and strengthen us, Lord. We pray that your spirit and that your will will be done in all of our lives and that you'll help us to realize that we're not living life randomly and we're not living life by the cuff. We're not living life given to the whims. Your word teaches us that the person who observes the winds and the clouds will never plant if we wait, Lord, for the convenient season where everything falls in place before we respond to your will, then we're never going to experience the fruition, the fullness of fruition that you want us to experience. And so we pray, God, that as we launch into things that will help us to grow and stretch ourselves, while it makes our flesh uncomfortable, help us to trust you and to honor you in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Amen. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.